Today on Nurse Talk, after decades of fighting, nurses join thousands to gather in the nation's capital for Representative Pramila Jayapal's launch of the new Medicare for All bill, a bill that has strong support from a broad coalition. And yes, there really is a congressional resolution to introduce and create a new Green Deal. And we have a guest who will talk with us about the details. And Planned Parenthood funding still on the chopping block. All this and more today on Nurse Talk. Welcome to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with my co-host, Patty Lockard, filling in for Shane Mason. And I am one of the thousands of nurses on duty this very day. Hey, Casey, as always, we have a great show today. In a few moments, we'll have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Barbara Sattler, professor at University of San Francisco, an international leader in environmental health and nursing. Dr. Sattler will be talking about the new Green Deal resolution recently introduced in the House of Representatives by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or as the Republicans like to call it, her kindergarten project. And let's not forget to thank all of our listeners on the Tom Hartman program, Progressive Voices Tune In, WFTE, iTunes, and all of our broadcast and organizational partners. Thank you. We are going to transition this country into the future. The Green New Deal calls for a 10-year national mobilization. The goal in one short decade to bring greenhouse gas emissions to zero, meet 100% of energy needs by renewable sources, overhaul transportation systems. Expanding a high-speed rail to, quote, a scale where air travel stops becoming necessary. It would modernize U.S. infrastructure upgrade or replace every building for energy efficiency, create millions of high-paying jobs, bring equality and equal justice for underserved, minority, and impoverished communities. The New Green Deal is a set of proposed economic stimulus programs in the United States that aim to address climate change and economic inequality. The Green New Deal combines Roosevelt's economic approach with modern ideas such as renewable energy and resource efficiency at least according to Wikipedia, that is. However, if you listen to opponents, they will tell you it's a big green bomb that will blow a hole in our strong economy, it will cost $93 trillion, and will destroy our energy independence. How can we sort through this proposed deal? With us is the University of San Francisco and international leader in environmental health and nursing, Barbara Sattler. Barbara, welcome to Nurse Talk. So great to have you back with us today. Oh, thanks so much. I'm delighted to be here. So, Barbara, before we start talking about why you have an interest in the Green Deal, it's worth mentioning that you are the founding member of the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments, which is an international organization that's helping to integrate environmental health into nursing education, practice, research, and policy and advocacy. So you come to this conversation with years of work in environmental health and health policy. Why'd you take this path? That goes back a really long way. I was one of the first organizers of Earth Day in 1970. So as a nurse, I also recognized that a lot of the causes of cancer and chronic diseases and other things that we're suffering really emanate from exposures that we were having and that this was really little addressed in the nursing world. And so many of the things in the Green Deal are actually related to that. So when we think about transportation and energy and even agriculture, there are so many different kinds of exposures that affect uh, people immediately and also secondarily from some of these things. So changing these systems is really about health. And I want to be very clear that 
All illnesses are not a function of environmental exposures, but it's a serious and important component of the ideology of diseases that we must take into account. And nurses aren't learning about this in nursing school still, even though we know the importance of it. So I guess one of the transitions for me was that I worked as a nurse at San Francisco General, and I was involved in SEIU. I was one on the contract negotiation team there. And we started looking at some health and safety issues even as early as that. And uh, shortly thereafter, I Through a circuitous route, I wound up working with a nonprofit organization that was working with labor and looking at toxic chemical exposures that workers had, and that was really the launch to just see how many different chemicals that we work with in our workplaces. Okay, Barbara, let's talk about some of the highlights of the new Green Deal resolution. Citing the special report referred to that points to the causes and urgencies to quickly mitigate the harm. Sure. Well, and and this is another issue that's near and dear to my heart is really helping nurses to understand what climate change is because one in every 100 Americans is a registered nurse. We're in all our communities. We need to be able to say what it is and talk about it with our communities and help bring that sort of scientific translation to the communities, especially in places where we may have politicians who are denying science and denying its existence. So a big impetus of the Green New Deal has come from young people who are saying we in the you know established political roles are not moving fast enough on this, and this is really about their future. And then they began to really think about, okay, what do we need to do? And we need to do a lot of things and do them fast. We can't just be doing one thing at a time. So the way they framed this is really to look at the many sectors that are both contributing to greenhouse gases, which creates climate change, but also where we could tweak things that would reduce those greenhouse gases and in some instances with agriculture actually sequester some of the carbon so we'd be rolling things back. But it means taking on these things all at once and with a lot of speed right now because we really need to be moving quickly. So how would the new Green Deal work and how would it be implemented? So at this point in time, it is in a resolution stage in Congress, meaning that the House of Representatives and senators would have to vote to support a resolution that would move us to then really working on developing the specifics of it. So it's not an act per se, which, you know, is what becomes like the Occupational Safety and Health Act. It's not in that form yet, um, but it is something that is promoting an idea and with urgency. And what gave me a chuckle is I was reading, and I can't remember whether it was in Forbes or Fortune, and it said, don't panic. It's only a vision. I thought, oh, (laughs) that's when they really should panic. We are finally congealing around a vision. And that's what this is. And that's what's getting young people so excited. It's like something where they can kind of take hold and, and brand that vision into the future to have relevance for their lives. I was on a call two weeks ago. There were a thousand people on the call 
almost all of them were young people. And by young, I mean 18 to 22-year-olds. And on this call, Naomi Klein was the only, I'm going to call, adult speaker, meaning older than 25, who talked about the urgency and had a very nice critique of how capitalism has really gotten us into this mess and that we need to address that. But within that, our conversation and our call Over 500 young people committed to go to talk about the Green New Deal to the district office of their federal legislators. That is inspiring. Great. I was so excited to hear that they were mobilizing and are mobilizing. So we need to be joining them and we need to be allowing them to really stretch and use those new political muscles and supporting them in that. Definitely. Barbara, how would we ever transition from air travel to no air travel, from fossil fuels to no fossil fuels? And how much time would it take and how much money? That's what the opponents of this will point to. Well, the air travel is going to be a tough one. An enormous amount of air travel is business air travel. And you and I are in two different places right now, and we're doing our business. I do almost all of my uh, departmental meetings using Zoom. I mean, we're really moving into people being able to do things without traveling hundreds and thousands of miles in order to sit in a room with somebody for a few hours and then travel back. So, So much of that can really be changed by just employing very good technology that allows people to be in the same room but virtually. But in terms of um, what we can be doing, we need to just even look at a couple of countries and a couple of states to see that we're already doing that. We already have the path forward. Costa Rica is, I think it's nine months of the year, is 100% on renewables. Now, granted, it's a small country, but they're giving us an opportunity to see how we can model this. California is in a rigorous state of transition in many ways, really moving towards renewables. And we really need to be cutting off our fossil fuel engagement and stop giving new permits and really moving at reducing that much faster. And we're really talking about how can we create the conditions that we increase public transportation and make it really user-friendly for everybody? And how is it that we can build housing that is going to be energy efficient and build it around smart transportation? There are lots of places around the country where commuting is becoming stressful, a headache, and just a miserable part of our daily lives. So we need to be doing this in a much, much better way. That's so true. So I understand it's in the resolution stage, but what is the target date for this to start? When would we see this become legislation that could come to a vote? I think this is probably going to become a major part of the next presidential debate. I'm not sure that we're going to see anything that would come to a vote, and I believe that Trump would probably veto it at any event. I just think that this is setting the table, and I think that what we're bringing to it is a feast of ideas and that those ideas are going to have to be honed. They're going to have to make sense economically, and that's not where we are just yet. But there are a lot of people that are coming on board that have the skill set to help us really write this into something that's going to be able to be a cogent bill with financial incentives and disincentives 
that are going to really help us. And also putting it in terms of return on investment that's got to be a many-year sort of road in terms of when we look at we actually when we'll get investment back or return on investment. The other thing I quickly want to mention is that currently in this Green New Deal, healthcare for all is part of that conversation. And I think all nurses can completely rally around that, how important we need to be working on bringing healthcare for all as part of any conversation to really change what needs to be changed in this country. So there are a couple of things that folks can do. If they go to Green New Deal, the Sunrise Coalition is a group mostly of young people who have been really one of the places, the inceptions of this thinking. The Sunrise Coalition has its own site. If you Google Green New Deal, you'll find um, lots of places as well as responses to this. And the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments, we are going to be starting to track this and put information on our climate change page. So we'll start having information sort of for and by nurses as well. And if I could say just very quickly, because I know you have a national audience, that the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments has new funding from the Kresge Foundation to uh, create 30 new nursing fellows around the country who are working with their communities to build resiliency and to address environmental health issues. And so if they go to the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments website, they can just scroll down and they'll find these environmental health nursing fellowship opportunities. That's some great information. Uh, Barbara, I want to thank you for your years of nursing, but particularly for wedding those two nursing and environmental factors. Not that all uh, diagnoses are related, but there is a good amount that are related. So it's nice to that you made that connection and that you've been uh, spending your career uh, doing the good fight. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I think that This is such an exciting time, and there are so many people now. There are moms, there are millennials, there are labor groups that are being brought to the table to talk about what our future should look like. And I want to make sure that every single nurse, no matter what your job in nursing is, that your voices are so important because we're the voice of health. And when it comes down to it, that's the most important thing to people and to family members. So bring those voices, bring them to this particular debate and and these discussions, and we will move farther faster. Brilliant. Thank you for providing an opportunity for this. That's great. We've been talking with Dr. Barbara Sattler about the congressional resolution for a Green New Deal put forth by the Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Barbara, it's always a pleasure to have you with us. Please come back again for more information about this topic. Visit nursetalksite.com or envirn dot org. Don't go away. Much more to come. You're listening to Nurse Talk Radio on Progressive Voices. Tune in and all of our broadcast partners. You're listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Our money-driven healthcare system has created a bunch of liars. 
Health insurance companies let you think your coverage is better than it really is. Doctors don't tell you how payment rules influence the care they provide. Drug companies exaggerate how effective their drugs are. Hospitals overstate what their services really cost. It doesn't have to be this way. We need to stop the lies. We need single payer. California One Care. California One Care. Full care for all for less. You're listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Ooh. It's so damn cold in here. Uh, yeah, the producer's having hot flashes. I'm not the one with the buttons, for Christ's sakes. Hey, Casey, what time is it? Time to stay out of trouble. We, we are, are nurses. nurses. We, we cannot prescribe, diagnose, or treat, but, but we, we can, can give, give good advice. advice. Does that include fashion advice? Nah, stick to what you're good at. You should talk. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with Patty Lockard filling in for Shane Mason. I am one of the thousands of nurses on duty this very minute. My name is Pramila Jayapal. I'm proud to represent Washington's 7th Congressional District in the U.S. House of Representatives. And we stand here today because it is time to transform our healthcare system in America. Last week, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal introduced a new and improved version of the House Medicare for All bill, called the Medicare for All Act of 2019. With record public support among the Democrats now controlling the House, passing the Medicare for All Act of 2019 in the House is within sight. But to do so, we must build as much public support as possible to call on our elected officials to sign on. It is time to ensure that health care is a right and not a privilege, guaranteed to every person in our country. It is time for Medicare for all. Standing on the steps of the nation's capital, Jayapal also thanked those who have worked decades to make Medicare for all a reality, including National Nurses United, the nation's largest union of direct care nurses. I'm Bonnie Castillo, the executive director of National Nurses United, the largest union of registered nurses in the country. As a registered nurse, it is a profound feeling to be standing here today with Representative Jayapal, with the House co-sponsors, and also with brothers and sisters across the country who are standing up to demand an end to human suffering in the name of corporate profit. To us, these horror stories of our broken system is a deeply personal issue. Here with us to talk about the introduction and how people can get involved is National Nurses United community organizer for the Sacramento, California area, Philip Kim. Philip, thanks so much for being with us today. Sure, yeah, glad to be on. So, Philip, as we just heard Bonnie Castillo say, nurses have been on the front lines of the Medicare for All fight for decades. What feels different about this current movement and the congressional leadership? What we see now is the fight for single-payer Medicare for All has reached mainstream popularity for a combination of reasons, the insecurity of our current economy, record levels of inequality, and I think the outrageous cost of health insurance in America in this profit-driven system, more and more people are realizing that we need something better, and that solution is Medicare for All. So what we have now is enormous grassroots energy. This is really a movement moment that I think is connected to what we're seeing in other issues, too, like the fight for the Green New Deal and immigration reform and affordable housing, criminal justice reform. And what we're seeing now is an overwhelming majority of the public now supports Medicare for All. 
And so what we're doing now is we're translating that support into pressure on our elected representatives so that they do the right thing and co-sponsor the new Medicare for All Act of 2019, H.R. 1384. And one more thing about the congressional leadership, like you mentioned, we have representatives like Pramila Jayapal, amazing progressive leaders, as well as newly elected young leaders like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York and Rashida Tlaib in uh, Michigan. And they want bold action and a real solution to the healthcare crisis, not watered-down corporate half-measures that don't address the real problem. So that's what I think is different about the current moment. Talk about everybody in and nobody out. What does that mean? The Medicare for All Act of 2019 covers everybody in the country. Everybody is covered, children, seniors, everyone in between. The goal here is a comprehensive, single-payer healthcare system that covers people from cradle to grave, and which is actually very common in most other industrialized countries in the world. We're the rarity, and it shows in terms of our health outcomes. But as far as everybody in and nobody out, the other part of this is we have comprehensive coverage. The Medicare for All Act of 2019 covers vision, dental, mental health care, long-term care and support services. It's, I believe, the first time that that's been, been included in a Medicare for All bill. And this is the most progressive and most comprehensive Medicare for All bill to ever be introduced in the House of Representatives. A recent poll showed 70 percent of respondents support Medicare for All with 85 percent Democrats and 52 percent Republican support. What are nurses and their allies doing to grow that support among the American public and also to get the support of representatives in Congress? What the nurses are doing, uh, National Nurses United, uh, in partnership with other organizations like uh, Healthcare Now and Physicians for National Health Program and many other groups, the teachers as well, the American Federation of Teachers are in support of this bill. What we're doing is we're building a grassroots movement from the ground up because we know that this sort of change and taking on the insurance industry and the pharmaceutical industry and Republicans, um, we need people who are willing to uh, get involved in their communities, go knock on doors and talk to people in farmers markets. And so a couple weeks ago, we launched our big national campaign with 150 barnstorms all across the country in districts in all states, from Puerto Rico to California to Alaska and Hawaii. And each of those barnstorms, which were mass organizing meetings, created dozens of canvases. So what we have going on now, including today, is thousands of people are out canvassing, knocking on doors, going to uh, public areas, farmers markets, and in front of supermarkets, talking to their fellow citizens about the fight for Medicare for All and asking people to call the representative to get their uh, U.S. representative to co-sponsor the bill. So that's, I'd say, the primary thing that we're doing right now. We do have some members of Congress, including Speaker uh, Nancy Pelosi, who've expressed uh, skepticism and doubt about our Medicare for All bill. And so what we have to do is we have to build a movement so big and so powerful that we can overwhelm some of these establishment Democrats that are not getting on board. And what we're seeing is what I believe is that some of these elected officials who've been in office for decades are out of touch with the problems that regular working class Americans are facing every single day. And so what we have to do is we have to go out there and translate that 70 percent public support into pressure on our representatives to get them to do the right thing and, and co-sponsor H.R. 1384, the Medicare for All Act of 2019. And so, you know, folks are getting involved in the canvassing. If you want to get involved in that, if you go to Medicare, the number four all dot org, that's Medicare for all dot org slash actions. You can find the canvas that's closest to you. We're using a lot of uh, tech tools to make it as easy as possible for people to plug into this really important campaign.
Again, we've been talking with National Nurses United community organizer Philip Kim. For more information about how you can get involved in your community, go to Medicare for the number four all.org. Thank you, Philip, for your time. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Thank you so much for having me on, and it's, it's really an honor to be able to represent the nurses out there in the community. The last thing I would say is just that we need you to get involved. You know, in order to pass Medicare for All, in order to make this happen, we need thousands of regular people getting involved. So please go to MedicareForAll.org and find the canvas that's closest to you. And if you want to contact us to host the canvas, if you email us at info at MedicareForAll.org, that's the best way to contact us. Great. Thank you so much. Right now, we are in a moment where the majority of people throughout the country are understanding and demanding the right to health care. That's right. So I want to say that we thank Representative Jayapal for shepherding this legislation that will save so many lives. Nurses especially applaud the work, all of the hard work that went into making this the most comprehensive Medicare for All bill to date. That music can only mean one thing. It's time for Healthcare in America with Donna Smith. Donna, welcome and thanks so much for being with us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right, Donna, we understand you have an update on the continued financial funding assault on Planned Parenthood. I do. And the Trump administration has made the decision to issue an executive order to forbid Uh, any of the funding that comes through the Federal Family Planning Fund, which is a fund of $286 million, to go to any organization that either performs or refers to another organization that performs abortions. Now, what this means for Planned Parenthood is tens of millions of dollars lost in their budget and in their planning, which is just horrible for all the millions of women who get their care through Planned Parenthood. Well, this is a different assault then. It's cutting deeper. Is that right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is far deeper because it talks about even referrals. And what really strikes me is how interesting this is that we have people who claim they don't want the government involved in your health care. Well, oh, my gosh, they just put the government right in the middle of women's health care. That's for sure. Well, they never want government involved in men's health care, but certainly they have no issue if the women of the world have to suffer at their hands. Yeah, exactly. Well, does this affect all the Planned Parenthoods across the country? Yes, all the way across the country. No one is exempt from this problem. And no, none of the Planned Parenthood clinics will be treated any differently. That They will all lose funding. Now, I know that Planned Parenthood will probably have to do a huge amount of readjustment of its budget. Of course, anyone, tens of millions of dollars lost that they were providing care with. I mean, it's just ludicrous to think that they'll even be able to provide the same kind of service. And people who think that Planned Parenthood is just about abortions, that couldn't be further from the truth. They provide all sorts of birth control planning, family planning, mammograms, the kinds of things that women need on an ongoing basis. Think of the damage that will be done to women's health overall from this. You know, put aside the whole issue of pro-life and abortion. This is just a horrible assault. And, you know, the sooner we get back to some sanity in this country about how we're treating health care, the better. 
Donna, there was something else that you thought was important to share with our listeners about the Registered Nurses Response Network. Oh, absolutely. And here's another thing that our country has been uh, struggling with. We have uh, the RNRN network, which, you know, is called into action every time there's some kind of huge tragedy where health is, is really impacted. Well, that's happening at our southern borders. I read a story recently. Uh, it came out in one of the news releases about the RNs going down to help with health care in Tucson. And it turns out that at the border, even some uh, one child his asthma inhaler clearly marked with his name and that he needed it, the border agents just threw away at the border. <sighs> what is this asthmatic child supposed to do while he's in their detention center or wherever he is? What is his mother supposed to do? I mean, this is reprehensible stuff again, being done to the most vulnerable of our populations. And, you know, this is not about immigration. The nurse is going down to help with this. This is about health and human health and showing some humanity. I remember when I was in D.C., we were working on the RNRN response on the Haiti earthquake. Well, this is really no different. It may not be something that made the top of the news every day like the Haiti earthquake did. But I'll tell you what, those folks who are suffering in Tucson and suffering in El Paso and suffering in the other places where detention centers, they're suffering here in Denver. They need health care, and thank goodness to the nurses of the response network who are going in and helping provide some help and some sanity for these people. So very true. Well, Donna, as always, thank you for being with us. We're talking with Nurse Talk senior correspondent and contributor to Healthcare in America, Donna Smith. For more information about these topics, visit nursetalksite.com. That's it for today. Thank you for listening, and thank you to our executive producer, me, sound design and engineering, June Miller, and JMC Sound, Taylor Lockard Research. And National Nurses United and all the nurses on duty today, and of course, our listeners and guests. Take care and visit us at nursetalksite.com or like our Facebook page at Nurse Talk.